Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being here. I am so excited about this podcast. This is Mind Your Business with Renzi. And today, my guest is Marvin Hamlin. And Marvin and I, we go way back. Um, what, junior high school? Yeah, yeah, to eighth grade for me. Yes, eighth grade, <laughs> long time. <laughs> I don't know. I may be saying a lot about how long, how long we've been knowing each other. I know. I know. But Marvin, uh, this session that what I really want you to focus on is talk about mind your business beyond the basics. And I want to tell the audience, you know, more about you know, how to grow their business and also, you know, what does it mean when we talk about scale? But before we get into that, what I would like for you to do is just um, tell our audience about your background and, and mm -hmm. what you do. Okay. Well, well thank you, Renzi. I, I appreciate um, you having me on uh, your podcast and um, uh, it's a real pleasure to do this with you. But um, yeah, I my background is... Uh, uh, been uh, many, many years, <laughs> I'd say probably 30 plus years working in the accounting profession, uh, working as a CFO, you know, executive level positions for a lot of companies. And um, and then I left the corporate world, I guess, about 12 years ago and went to the consulting side, started working for a number of other firms. Um, you know, consulting, helping them with different aspects of their business, uh, business planning, succession planning, um, exit strategies, all those type of things and um, and systems integration, just a number of different things that I was doing for uh, my clients. And then I guess about three years ago, I started thinking I started seeing there were some gaps left in how small businesses were being serviced. By a lot of these firms. And, and so I decided to go out on my own because I thought I could help to fill the, the gaps that I saw missing to help small businesses. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a CPA by trade. And so I have a you know, very strong accounting background, but my real focus is really helping businesses to grow and, and get to the next level. And uh, my background as, an, as, as a CFO, as well as my experience working with, with numerous companies on strategic planning and all those other things helps me to be able to, to do that effectively for uh, my small business clients. Because I think most small businesses need someone like me. Yes, and, they do. And, and, and the story that I hear all the time, well, we can't afford somebody like you, Marvin. I'm like, well, how, how, how do you plan to grow, to grow your business without somebody like me uh, helping you to navigate, you know, all the challenges and uh, all the, the struggles and difficulties of, of trying to, to scale and grow uh, a business? And so that's the reason why I started my company, mm -hmm. um, Accounting Integration and Management uh, Solutions, what we do. And uh, we have clients all over the country. And um, we provide all of these same services for um, all of our clients. So, Marvin, when a client comes to you um, and, you know, they're at that point, they're no longer, you know, a startup. But, you know, when they come to you for advice about scaling their business, you know, what do you evaluate to determine whether they're ready? Well, the, the you know, one of the things I do is. 
I, I do my own little interview and analysis of the CEO first because I want to see where they are and and what they're really um, you know you know where 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 their mindset is and what it is they really want to do with their company um, because I came to the conclusion years ago that I can't help everybody and everybody doesn't want my help either so so I really want to know where it is they really want to do and where they want to go. And so some of the first things that I look for is I want to know what kind of vision they have, where it is they want to go, you know, and they're clear, you know, about what it is they want to do and where they want to go. The second thing I look for is whether they have a receptive uh, attitude <laughs> and they're willing to take advice from somebody because everybody's not willing to take advice. And 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 so and, and a lot of times that advice um, is, is some, it can, can sometimes hurt your feeling, you know, mm. and so you got to be willing to listen and allow somebody to coach you and, and help you. Because if you've never grown a business before, I don't know how people think they can grow a business when they've never done it before. Somebody has to be able to help you. You know, if you want to do it intelligently, you want somebody to help you to, to do that. And so that's one of the things I look for. I also look for, I also look to see, if they're motivated to do it. Um, I've heard people say many times, yeah, yeah, I want to grow my company to be a hundred million dollar company. <laughs> I saw very little passion and drip. You know, I saw very little to make me think that you want to grow your company to be a hundred million dollar company. So mm -hmm. I, I want to make sure that they're passionate about what they're doing. Um, also the ability to adapt and just uh, change with the times. Um, you know, things are changing today. The business environment today is changing so fast. And, yeah. and you need to be able to adapt quickly. And so I look to see if they have that ability to adapt to changes. And, and also I look to see if they have the ability to um, be resilient, you know, because mm -hmm. the challenges and the struggles and the failures are going to come. They're going to come. And so, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? I think is probably, you know, when you get that first real big setback, I think mm -hmm. that's the real mark of, of you understanding, you know, whether this is for you or not, because it's not for the faint at heart. Everybody can't do it. And so those are probably the main things that I look for in, in a new client. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, it, it, it has more to do with the CEO themselves than the company and what the company is doing. Well, and this is and I think that's a good segue. Um, tell me, share a story with me and this in our audience about a company that, you know, was a client and they came to you and they scale. If you would share two stories share the company who was able to scale successfully and share a story about a company that thought they were ready to scale, but there were some gaps there that just wasn't able to overcome. Um, that's a good question. And I have a, a couple of good, really good examples, but I think I'm thinking of one that kind of touches on both questions. Okay. Because okay. they went through they went through both of those things. Okay. Um, this was a, a client of mine about five, six years ago that was doing really well, 
uh, government contractor, high technology company, was doing really well. Um, they had about 55% of their revenue coming from one client. Mm -hmm. And so when I started with them, that was the first thing I noticed when I, when I you know, started analyzing their, their books. And so I said to the CEO one day, I was like, you do know 50, you have 55% of your revenue coming from one client, right? I was like, you think it might be a good idea to maybe diversify a little bit and start going after some more clients? Well, you know, we've been doing so good with this client, you know, and we've had this contract now for, you know, almost five years. The recompete's coming up and we know, you know, we're pretty certain that we're going to win it again. Mm. I said, but even if you do win it, you know, why not still, <laughs> you know, diversify? Why, you know, but she was so stuck on the fact that they were going to win this contract again. And so their focus was that one customer. And so um, Recompete came and guess what? They did not win. Oh, they did not win. And so she was scrambling. And so now she's like, oh, gosh, what do I do, Marvin? I said, well, I kind of anticipated this. And so what I did was, you know, I kept really close track of cash, make sure she had enough cash. I said, what you're going to have to do now, because I had already forecasted out what happens if you don't win this contract. So I told her with the current um, uh, with the current resources that you have now, you have about five months before you start seeing a really big dip in your cash and you're going to struggle at that point. So I said, so here's what you can do. I already had the plan in place. I was like, these are the positions I think you need to start looking at letting go. You're going to have to let these positions go. You're going to have to get rid of this. You're going to have to get rid of that. And if you do that, you, you will avoid, you know, having to have to make these tough decisions when you have to make them, you know. So, wow. so she did. So she, she, she listened to me. And uh, she started making the cuts and it was painful. It was very painful. I, I was because I had come close to a number of the people there and I hated to see some of them go, you know, but but business is business. The business is always yeah. bigger than any individuals. And that's what I see CEOs struggle with. A lot of times they become emotionally attached to people, you know, and you've got to recognize the business is bigger. You know, you know, and so to that point, to that point you made, I've seen CEOs who treat their employees like family, like yes. they're the mother or they're the father. Yes. yes. And when they do that, it, it really, in my opinion, I think it distorts. And it's great that you want to care for your employees, but I think the greatest thing that you can do to care for your employees is put the mask on your face first. Yes. So you can help them. So you can yeah. help them. But go ahead, continue with your story. But 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 Renzi, and, and, to, and to, to what you're just saying, even if you have a hard time doing that, let somebody else do it. Yes. Let, let somebody else be the bad person. You know, and I told her that. I said, Well, I was like, I know this is gonna be hard for you. I was like, so go tell them, you know, hey, Marvin came to me. <laughs> They mm -hmm. said, hey, we got to cut back. <laughs> mm -hmm. So 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 put it on me if you have to, if that's a, if that's a difficult thing for you to do. And, um, you know, and, and she did. That's what she did. And she said, these are just some decisions we have to make um, to be able to go forward with the company. And she did. And so but 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 what, but what we were able to do after we had to now restructure everything. So now we had to sit down. And, and and start evaluating where we were, 
and where and what it is she wanted to go, what it is she wanted to do. And so she spent about two months of planning and and talking to different people, coming up with a you know a new vision for where she wanted to go with the company because this changed everything. So she made the decision of what she was going to do. She eliminated one area of the company to free mm -hmm. up some more resources. And then she focused on this one thing that they were really good at. And so um, then they were able to, they had the resources to go after new work. And all of a sudden they started winning new work again, wow. you know, and, and, and she scaled the company back up. It became twice as big as it was before as a result of that. You know, and, and if she had not made those decisions that she made, she would not have been in a position to go after that new work when wow. it was time to change, you know. And so so she came from doing really well <laughs> to kind of losing everything and had mm -hmm. to start from scratch and had to reach had to go from ground ground zero again. OK, who are we? What do we want to be? Where do we want to go? You know, and, and once she answered all of those questions and figured out what they were good at, she focused on that, put all the resources in that, grew the company. Next two, three years, they doubled in size. And wow. so they're thriving and doing doing very, very well um, today as a, as, a, as a result of that. And if you had if you had to take a look at her revenue prior to the fall and then and where she ended up. You know, where was her revenue when they lost the uh, recompete? How I mean, did she take a huge dive in her into her revenue, oh. or, or was a, a, a did she not? Yeah, she did. Yeah, that fifty five percent was that the that fifty five percent was uh, if I on, in dollar figures was about yeah. that was about they were doing about almost nine ten million a year. Wow. So she lost, wow, okay. she lost almost $10 million of revenue a year, just wow. like that, just like that. So, so they wow. went, so they were down to now about 7 million, six, 7 oh, million with okay. a, with, with a almost $20 million infrastructure. Wow. Okay. And so, <laughs> and taking her through, taking her through this strategy you had for her, basically to turn her company around. So by taking her through her that strategy, where does she end up in terms of revenue? If you look well, at her loss and then looking at you know her being able to come back, you know where do they end up? You know when you say she was able to successfully scale the company. Three, I think two two and a half to three years later, they were at forty million in revenue. They were at forty. They were over. That was over fifty percent. They they did more. They more than doubled. Actually, they were at 50, over forty million in revenue, and and they're still maintaining that to this day. She's still thriving and doing really really well to this day. Fantastic. Woman owns a woman owned woman owned business. Wow, fantastic! Really really smart lady who who adapted, who was willing to make the changes, and and she's benefiting from the results of that now today. And so, and so part of this, part of your, your strategy in terms of helping companies to scale is helping them to make those tough decisions to say, what is it that they need to let go of mm -hmm. and to really focus on what it is that they do well. And that, yeah. say, what's bringing in the money? Yes. Yes. That's that. And that was one of the things that I helped her to do is I, I said to her, I said, what, 
what are you really, really good at? What are you best at? You know, what do you, you know, you know, what, what, what are you going to really put money behind right now? And, and when she came to that conclusion and she focused on what her core competence was and had been, you know, throughout the history of the company, she knew that's what she could count on. And, it, and once she once she accepted that, it was easy for her to let these other pieces go that was sucking up resources that she couldn't now she couldn't afford to fund anymore. So she had to let those things go, you know, and, and that was the best thing for her, because if she had done that even sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, she she would have experienced the, that growth even sooner, I think, if she had made that decision, you know, but I mean, but 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 again, you know, th- those are decisions that you have to make. I mean, she was generating a lot of cash and a lot of profit from that contract. She was investing it into another area, you know, and and if she had been able to continue to do that, that area probably would have done well, you know. But when you lose the contract and the cash ain't coming in no more, <laughs> yeah, what do you, do? you can't fund anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And in your experience, Marvin, and when you're working with with companies, um, you know, a lot of times people think that because you're the CEO, that CEOs don't have fears, they don't have concerns. Mm -hmm. And when you are, you know, when you're working with the CEO and, you know, where you see that there's a huge decline, like in this example, you know, what are some of the tough things or that CEOs deal with in terms of, I guess you say dealing with their fears and, right. you know, dealing with an issue that is um, in this case was unexpected. But yeah. how do you, you know, how do you help help these CEOs, you know, move beyond their fear to to, you know, take And I guess in some ways it's a risk. But I will say I would think it's a calculated risk that they're taking because you're taking them through this framework where you're able to evaluate, you know, their success in terms of whether they have all of this, the parts in place in order for them to scale, whether they have the sales, the right team around them, you know, how do you help them to conquer their fear to move forward? Well, I think, I think uh, what you, the, the word fear in itself is a motivating factor for a lot of CEOs. <laughs> And so, you know, so 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 generally, I, I found that over the years, and I think I, you and I've had this discussion in the past. I've said yeah. to you, in, in my years of experience of working with CEOs, I find that there are two things that'll make them make decisions. It's either greed mm-hmm. or fear. Mm-hmm. You know, they will do, they will make tough decisions if they start to feel those two things. For her, it was fear. Because okay. she's like, oh, my God, we can't afford to keep all these people. What am I going to do? How are we going to run this company going forward? I got this bloated infrastructure here. I don't even have no idea what I need to do. I mean, it was fear. It was fear that made her decide to listen to me, even though she didn't listen to me, you know, a year and a half earlier. <laughs> but, but she was willing to listen to me then. And fortunately for her, it wasn't too late. You know, and, and, and you know, because for me, I, I was anticipating I had to think the worst. Mm-hmm. And so I was already prepared for it. And, um, you know, but she was willing to make those decisions. She was willing to adapt and do what she needed to do. But we had to go through a whole long drawn out process to get her to do that. It wasn't just a simple we sat down for one hour 
And, you know, and I communicated to her what needed to be done. She had to go through a long drawn out process of evaluating where she was and who she was as a company, where she wanted to go, you know, and then and then she had to come up with a new plan for going forward. You know, she had to figure out what are we good at? What are we not good at? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What do we really want to do? You know, things that she had never really thought about before, you know, because I, I tell people all the time, when you start a business, you should start the business with the with the end in mind. And that's hard for a lot of that's that's hard for a lot of entrepreneurs to do, because when they start a business, they have no idea where they're going and what it is they really want to do. But I find that if you have some idea of what the end is. You can then structure everything around meeting that goal. You run the company with that end in mind. And so, you know, for her, one of the biggest things that came out of that was she decided, she was like, well, Marvin, I think I could grow this company now to a point where I can create a lot of value and maybe sell it. I was like, there you go. There's your end game. Now, now you know how and what you need to do to position your company now. And that will drive the decisions that you now make. It's not just a business just kind of functioning on its own. You know, it has life and you're trying to go somewhere and you're trying to achieve something now. And so every time now you make a decision, you got you have that in mind. I'm trying to create value. I'm trying to create value. So, so that means if I've got to let my vice president of operations go, he's not adding any value and he's sucking up my resources. That's an easy decision to make, you know. And so she was able to get over all of those type of fears once she saw what the end game was. And in actuality, she actually sold that company. She sold the company, um, I believe, um, about a year ago now. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what she actually got for it because I haven't talked to her in like two and a half years. But mm-hmm. but my understanding is she actually did sell the company. She found a buyer for it. And it's something interesting that you said, um, you know, and I'm listening to, you know, her story in terms of, you know, the downfall where she did not, you know, recompete successfully for the contract. And having to make tough decisions, but also the turnaround, which she was able to triumph. But it's interesting that you said that if you look at the center point of this whole uh, event that happened with her, she was the common denominator of everything that happened. And oftentimes what I find Mm. is that when people talk about growing their company, when they talk about, um, you know, scaling their business, a lot of times it's about systems, it's about, um, you know, and all of those things are important, whether you have the right technology and systems and things in place. But be, in my opinion, regardless of whether you have those things in place, it really does start with the CEO. It yes. really start, it starts, it begins and ends with the CEO. Because yes. your capability and your, your ability to have this, I call it a panoramic view Mm-hmm. being outside of the business, not in the business, but you are about the business. Yeah. Have that panoramic view where you can see how you are that common denominator 
a lot of times, you know, I find some CEOs that I coach, they want to disassociate themselves from the organization. Mm-hmm. And I have not seen, you may have seen, but I have not seen a successful organization where the CEO is not an integral part. And, and basically the, the nucleus of that organization to ensure that whatever the, the end game is, is that they're the ones who are driving that outcome and making sure that it comes to fruition. But sometimes I hear CEOs who want to disassociate themselves and think it's about the people, it's about the systems and what's happening in the organization, as opposed to it, it's being about them being the nucleus or the center of making all of that come together. Yeah, yeah, you you hit the nail on the head, Renzi. I think the uh, that's a that's a real challenge, and I have not seen anybody <laughs> who's been able to do it um, outside of understanding that you know they have to work on the business and they have to right. continually work on the business. And as as I like to say, somebody has to manage today, but who's managing tomorrow? The CEO is the one who's managing tomorrow. Nobody else is thinking about tomorrow. So if you're not focused on tomorrow, you know, you're going to get eventually you're going to get stuck. You're going to plateau. And that's the one thing I find in uh, uh, commonality in many of the businesses that I work with, that I work with when they get to a point where they, they plateau and they're trying to figure out why. I'm like it's because you not <laughs> you you don't understand that you need to work on the business and working on the business sometimes will mean you need to work on you. <laughs> it does. Oftentimes it, it does. It does. Um, sometimes with some of my clients, they've been in business for quite a while, and over time, because they have not, they they have not. Um, looked at how they need to evolve the business to make sure it stays competitive. Over time, I call it the calcified like a rock, basically, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're not allowing yourself to grow because yep. your skills have to change also. Your skills yep. have to evolve with the time. But along with that, your business have to evolve too, because when you don't, what happens is that over time, you become irrelevant. Yes. You become irrelevant. And then I think when you plateau, you start seeing that decline in revenue. You start seeing a decline in how well the company is is really thriving and being and being profitable as opposed to you saying, you know, I to me an organization is a living organism and yes. it requires you to evolve as well as it, it requires the organization to evolve. Yes. But I want to swing the conversation and talk about you. Um, one of the things, uh, knowing you for as long as I have, you know, when you decided to leave corporate and you decided to start your own company, what were some of the challenges that you had starting your own company? Well, I think some of the main challenges I had initially was I, I had no shortage of vision and motivation mm-hmm. and passion. I had all of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I didn't have was money. <laughs> Okay. So, 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 so I had to, I had to figure out a way to make sure that I could fund what I wanted to do. Um, and so, you know, and for me, um, I came up with some creative ways of being able to, to, to do that. Um, 
you know, I, um, you know, uh, went out and found, uh, you know, some investors. I found some people who were willing, who liked my idea and what I was trying to do and who were willing to invest in it. And so um, I think without that initial investment, um, <laughs> I'm not certain I would be, my company would be where it is right now in such a short period of time. Um, and so that was the main challenge for me is just making sure. And I think that's the challenge that any entrepreneur is going to go through. You can have the great idea. You can have the passion. You can have all of the, the motivation. You can have all of those other great qualities. But, you know, an idea or a business has to be funded. It has know? to be funded. It has. Yeah. To, but along with that, when you present your company for, you know, to investors, for people to fund you, did they buy your idea or did they buy you or did they buy both both you and your idea? Where does it start? It was both. It's both? For me, it, it, it was both because the investor, one of the investors that I knew I had a relationship with. And so, you know, he knew, you know, where I was coming from. Um, we had similar mindset about, uh, the type of business that I was trying to establish and where I was trying to go and where we thought it could go. So there was a meeting of the minds pretty quickly on that. Um, you know, but he he saw some aspects of what I was doing that he thought were very unique. And um, and he thought he's like, man, Marvin, this is uh, nobody's. I don't see anybody doing this for small businesses. I'm not I don't see this. I think this could really work. You know, so I so he he liked the idea, but also he knew me well enough to know that, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to make this work because he was actually my boss for four okay. years. <laughs> OK, well, yes, he knew you. <laughs> so so he did. So he knew me, you know, and I, you know, and I was pretty challenging to work with at times because I was pretty strong willed about what I wanted and how I wanted to see things sometimes. And so he and I would butt heads a lot. Um you know, so and that's one of the things that he said. He's like, well, I know you, you you know, you, once you make up your mind, you're going to make it happen. So I, I, you know, I know I can I can count on that. So so that was one of the things I think that really, really um, that, that, that really, really challenged me. Um, um, the, the, one other thing is what you mentioned earlier, you know, mm -hmm. is somewhat of a challenge sometimes. Uh, trying to focus on 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 growing the business mm -hmm. while also trying to generate revenue is uh, oh is, yes <laughs> is, is, is also a struggle that I think most small business entrepreneurs entrepreneurs are are are, are, are experiencing um, and so I had to really fight the temptation because I'm like I said I'm an accountant by trade I, that's yeah. what I do I do numbers I'm an accountant. You know, but I also knew that if I wanted my business to grow, because I did not want to, I didn't, I was not trying to establish a one-person company. <laughs> that was not mm -hmm. what I was trying to do. I was trying to build something, and so, and I knew to do to be able to do that, I was going to have to fight the urge to just work on projects and work with mm -hmm. clients all the time. You know, I had to make time to be able to get out and establish new relationships and partnerships. And, and that has been the, the one thing that I'm reaping um, benefits from today um, because I did that, you know, for the last year and a half. I was traveling all the time. Every other week I was traveling, you know, to Georgia, to to yes. Texas, 
uh, mm -hmm. to North Carolina. So I was traveling everywhere, um, you know, to go to meetings, to meet people. Um, and so I had to do that while still trying to generate revenue with clients. I had to do that, but I had to, you know, just really fight that urge to just want to work on projects and just do stuff. Yeah. And so as a result of that today, you know, I've now grown firm to um, six people. So, Congratulations. you know, Congratulations. In, a, in a very, very, very short time and probably getting ready to add another two or three more before the end of this year. You know, so so but but that was but it was hard. <laughs> that mm -hmm. was that was that was not easy uh, at all. But 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 that's the challenge that every entrepreneur is going to go through is trying to balance that. You know, do I work with the clients, generate revenue, you know, because mm -hmm. we got to eat, too. You know, that's yeah. real. That's real. You know, mm -hmm. but 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 if you really want to try to grow and go to the next level, you got to be able to work on tomorrow. Somebody has to focus on tomorrow. Yeah. And this is my last question for you. Um, as you were building your business and looking back, you know, as to how you got to where you are, what is one fatal mistake you made? What lessons you learned? And how was you able to turn it around to, to arrive to where you are now? Um, I think I'm thinking of, uh, I, I can remember early on, uh, I took on a client that I thought would I took I took on a client because I needed clients. <laughs> yeah. Um and but I was hesitant about taking this client because I could see that they might be trouble and difficult mm -hmm. to work with. And sure enough, they were. And mm -hmm. and then once I started working for them, it was difficult to get out of the relationship. And so mm -hmm. I wasted a lot of time and resources on a um, unprofitable relationship. And, you know, and so what I learned from that was I need to interview my clients first. <laughs> I need to know who they are and what it is they're trying to do. And so what it, what it caused me to do was to create a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. It's about, a, uh, 20, about, a, about 20 questions that I, you know, go send to every new client now. And, and I require them to answer every single question. And because they come back and they don't answer one, I was like, nope, you got to answer this question too. I want to know, I want to know the answer to this because I want to know everything about them because I learned that every client is not necessarily good for you, exactly. not good for your business and can really be a drag on your business and your resources. And so from that point forward, now I go about every new client the same way. I do a long interview, um, get to know them really well, give them time to really get to know me because I want them to do the same thing. I was like, I want you to make sure now that I'm a good fit for you too. <laughs> you know, so don't don't just hire me because you think I can help you. You know, and so I want to get all the cards out on the table up front so we know what we're dealing with because you want the relationship to be profitable. And you want it to be a long one, long lasting. And the only way you can do that is you got to be open and honest up front about what's going on. And so that was the I'd say the one thing that I regret is not vetting this client up front, even though I already had an idea <laughs> that this wouldn't work. And I went against my own gut and I paid the price for it.
Wow. Well, valuable lessons, but I, I think also if you had to take a look at, you know, that lesson where you are now, it sounds like you're doing a really great job in terms of customer, you know, customer retention, because that too helps you to grow your business when you yeah. have that customer loyalty. And also, you know, when you talk about your customers, you don't want to make it a, you know, heavy lifting for them to be yeah. able to do business with you. But taking the time up front to bet your clients and giving them an opportunity to bet you sounds like it's paid off in the end. It has. It really has, Renzi. Well, tell me this. If, um, if you know, anyone in my audience would like to get in contact with you to learn more about your services, mm -hmm. what is the best way for them to reach you? Uh, they can reach me by uh, email. My email is mhamlin, H-A-M-L-I-N, at A-I-M-S dot L-L-C. There's no com, dot L-L-C, because people sometimes try to put com. It's like, series not dot com. It's like, no, no, it's dot L-L-C. That's how I created it. Okay. <laughs> so, so dot L-L-C, or, you know, they can go to my website, www.aims dot L-L-C. Um, and my phone number is 301. The company's phone number is 301-526-5230. Okay. Okay. Any last, uh, any last thoughts before we close out podcast? Um, I, I would say that I, I think um, anybody who's in a business and just getting started right now, I think if they surround themselves with the right people from day one, they'll avoid a lot of the pitfalls that I see a lot of companies because, because generally when I go into a lot of companies right now, I'm going in to clean up something that's already been, been a problem. And so um, I would say, you know, surround yourself with the right, with the right advisors, um, the right partners, people who can really add value to what you're trying to do and you will avoid many of the pitfalls that I see a lot of my small business clients going through uh, right now. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us. Uh, we will be doing a, um, a monthly podcast. And if you have any questions about, you know, any of the topics or anything that we talked about in this podcast, you can reach out to Marvin. Or you can reach out to me, and my email address is renzier at bhflgroup.com, and that's R-E-N-Z-I-E-R at bhflgroup.com. Or you can also reach me at 678-790-0615, and that will close out our podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Marvin, for being my, my guest. My pleasure, Renzi. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And, um and I look forward to having you back on the podcast later on. I got a lot of things I'd love to discuss with you. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye.